Hello and welcome to Food Integrity Now. I'm Carol Gravey and I'm here with my two co-hosts, Susan Wright and Matt Spaeth. Welcome to the show. Hi, Carol. Hi, Carol. We have a special show today. As our guest, we have Barbara Peterson. She is the founder of Farm Wars. And rather than me explain what Farm Wars is, welcome to the show, Barbara. Barbara, are you on? Barbara, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. Had a little glitch there. So, um, (laughs) not really a glitch. It's just, you know, we're down to the bottom of producers here. So you have to take me a minimum wage, but remember, I'm I'm here for you. This is Eric, our our engineer today, who spaced there for a second. Anyway, uh, welcome to the show, Barbara. I just, um, I don't know if you heard my introduction. I said you were the founder of uh, Farm Wars, and rather than me explain what Farm Wars is, uh, first of all, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what is Farm Wars. Well, I was trying to figure out, in a nutshell, what I could say about myself, and I've pretty much determined that the best way to describe me is I'm a retired peace officer. I've got a highly developed BSO meter, a big mouth, and a website. (laughs) (laughs) And and tell us about your website. Uh, Farm Wars is, I, I, I have a little ranch here in Oregon. And I love taking pictures of uh, my animals and stuff. And so I took several pictures, and then I just developed this Farm Wars because the issue that it covers is food and what's happening to our um, farming communities. They're literally being destroyed. So what I was trying to do is I was trying to get it to the point where people would actually want to go because a lot of places you look at them, websites you look at them, and they're um, kind of stock And this one I just wanted people to go and kind of have fun at because it's a very, very, very serious subject. And it's got a lot of um, implications that people really don't think about. And if I could get people just to go in and kind of have fun with the graphics and, you know, take a look around and get it, get a, you know, little feel for it. And then maybe they can start to understand the um, deeper subject that we go into regarding um, food. Yeah. So you like to write articles, and um, I've read several of your articles, and they're very informative. But what is kind of the hot topic right right now that you're writing about that affects our food and, and farmers? Well, there's the hot topic is kind of a um, conglomeration of two. It's the alfalfa that's just been um, released the GM alfalfa, and during spring we're going to be having quite a bit of it all around me. And this is kind of the pivotal issue because on the um, on the back of the alfalfa comes all of the rest. They paved the way with alfalfa to deregulate completely everything else, the sugar beets, the fuel corn now. Um, now here come the fish. So... Uh, Other than the fact that we're going to be inundated with GMOs, you might think, well, what has that really got to do with it? Organics is also, we're not going to have a safe haven. You know, you don't really mind something happening, most people, as long as you say, okay, well, this isn't going to affect me, because I can always go to the store and I can always get USDA organic food. Well, what people don't understand is the contamination that's going to happen because of this alfalfa is going to completely affect organics too. 
And it's just a matter of time, because at this point, there is, according to the um, National Organics Program run by the USDA, which also is the biggest GMO pusher on the planet, they do not require testing for GMO, which seemed ludicrous to me. I don't know why, and I looked and looked and looked, and I um, called up, and I found out that they really, from the horse's mouth, do not require testing for GMOs unless there is a reason to believe that contamination has occurred. And what? So what? So would, what would that entail? A reason to believe. Somebody, yeah, a reason to believe. If somebody reported it, if the farmer himself discovered it, um, basically that's it. There's really no, you know, say there's a, a GMO field across the way. Now, if that that GMO field at this point, unless it's, uh, there's two GMO strains, there's HT and BT. HT is the herbicide um, tolerant. That's the RR, Roundup Ready, that you can spray the herbicides on and it's going to kill the weeds. And then there's BT, which is bugs. That's the one that a bug takes a bite. It's the insecticide that's incorporated into the plant. Bug takes a bite, bug dies. That's BT. With the BT, according to the IRM agreement that um, farmers go by, they have three agreements that they have to go by. According to the IRM, there is a buffer zone that needs to be placed around the genetically modified crops, the BTs, to try and keep um, bugs from getting tolerant to it, build up a resistance to it. Well, we all know bugs are going to respect those buffer zones. So, of course, that's going to happen. But what they've done is they've completely removed the buffer zones for the HT, which means if a GMO farmer has planted in, say, GMO alfalfa, he can plant completely up to the end of his property line, and there's no restriction. So you live across from him. You're an organic farmer, and you're trying to grow organic alfalfa. It is up to you to put a buffer zone there so that your crop is not contaminated. So NLP guidelines are process-based. That's the key there. Because what that means is if you abide by their rules, you put in a buffer zone because you're supposed to protect your crop, so you're the one that has to put in the buffer zone, you do that, then there's no reason to believe contamination exists. Doesn't that, now that violate the farmer's constitutional rights? It violates a whole lot of things. Um, as far as the constitutional rights, I, I'm, I would say, just my opinion, I would say yes, because I haven't um, gone into that end of it. But just the fact that, you know, if you get contaminated and nobody reports it, you don't know it, it's going to go straight into the food supply. So you can have your USDA certified organic, and if nobody checks it, it can be 20% contaminated with GMOs or whatever. It could have any measure of contamination because there is no threshold set. And that's 
straight out of the horse's mouth, National Organics Program. Now, when that crop gets contaminated, and with alfalfa, it will. When that crop gets contaminated, then what Monsanto has done in order to put an end run around liability, because Percy Schmeiser, case in point, did win a 10-year lawsuit that Monsanto initiated on him because they went in and found um, some GMO canola that he hadn't planted, but his field had been contaminated. They sued him for the technology use agreement, saying that he took their technology. Well, he won. They had to clean up his place, but he lost all his seed because it was contaminated. Um, so what they did was in their um, stewardship agreement, they basically state that Monsanto has no liability now. So if your field is contaminated, then the GMO farmer that did the contamination, you find out who it is. You have to sue him, and that farmer does not have the right, according to the contract, to sue Monsanto for any damages whatsoever. So what did that lawsuit do to help the case of farmers? Did it do anything? I mean, did it set any new precedents as far as... Monsanto suing farmers for the reason that they they sued him. It did give something good in the in the books that we can refer to, and it is a, a case precedent with him winning. However, there are so many farmers that, when put up against the Monsanto juggernaut, just simply can't survive because. What they do is they send out their investigators. Now, these investigators will go around. They will hang out at the local feed store. They will um, ask if you think that your neighbor is planting GMO crops, if they are. You know, and if they say, oh, yeah, I think so-and-so is doing it, then they will quite literally sneak over, grab some plants, take it back to their own proprietary testing facilities that nobody else can use or have access to. Even the methodology of testing, nobody has it. It's proprietary, patented. And if they determine that you have um, a gene, they can sue you. And that's what they're still doing because the law allows it. Is it, it, is it legal for them to do that? Yes. Is it lawful for them to do that if you go to... Um, basically our rights as far as the Constitution goes and stuff like that. I don't believe so. However, there's a lot of things in this country that are legal but not lawful. That's amazing. And I'd heard also in in Oregon, actually, there there was a there's a farmer that was selling seed to, to Europe, and it had to be organic seed, and there was a, a farmer in proximity to him that was uh, growing the same crop, but GMO, and there's a lawsuit there. Uh-huh. Do you see? Do you see any of those lawsuits starting to change? Uh, change any of these laws at all, or is it looking grim, based on what you just said? I really don't like any of their bad tidings, but it's looking pretty grim because what I see is, say Monsanto, they have so much money, they have so much clout and so much power, and by making an end run 
around the liability issue by having farmers sign this 44-page agreement that they are not going to have hold Monsanto responsible. If the say, organic farmer does go ahead and sue the other farmer, first off, they have to determine who it is. If you have farmers within several mile radius of you, how are you going to determine which farmer it is that contaminated your crop? Mm-hmm. You don't know. And they don't have to tell you if they're growing GMOs. Okay. Well, we're so we going to take a break. Right. Uh, let's continue that when we come back. We're talking with Barbara Peterson of Farm Wars. This is Food Integrity Now. I'm a certified life coach and one of the hosts of the Food Integrity Now show right here on Castle Rock Radio. Have you ever dreamed of swimming with the wild and free dolphins? I'm not talking about the ones in captivity like the ones at Dolphin Quest. I'm talking about swimming with them in the wild. If this is something you've only dreamt about doing, I invite you to mark this off your bucket list now and join me for an all-inclusive trip to swim with the wild dolphins. Your trip to paradise will include organic gourmet meals, ocean waterfront accommodations, Lomi Lomi massage, and much more. What are you waiting for? Now is the time to make your dream a reality. For more information, go to wilddolphinswimadventures.com or contact me at carol at coachwithcarol.com or 719-687-7447. Once again, that's 719-687-7447. Mahalo. Are you seeking understanding and assistance in healing your depression and anger or lack of passion? Hi, my name is Tammy Urbanic at Empowerment Through Healing, and I'm a medium clairvoyant who can work with your spirit guides to assist you. Your spirit guides can offer solutions and understanding at current life issues that you're facing. Visit www.empowermentthroughhealing.com for more information, and you can call me at 719-641-2017. If you are... bring you back now food integrity so wash your cabbage peel your carrots this is the show that's going to make me thin welcome back to food integrity now our special guest today is barbara peterson of farm wars before the break we were talking about all the contamination that we can expect to see from the recent gmo alfalfa deregulation and how that is paving the way for all the other seeds that Monsanto and the other biotech corporations have in line. 
Barbara, do you see any, is there any trepidation for a, a new farmer undertaking a GMO crop now that the p- potential lawsuit could be upon them? Matt, I'll tell you, if, if they actually would sit down and read that 44-page, what is called TUG, Technology um, Use Guide, and that has to be agreed to in the stewardship agreement, which I believe is um, either two or three pages long, then you'd ha- they, they wouldn't do it. You'd have to be crazy to sign that because you're waiving all of your rights. So if you do get sued by somebody whose organic field you have contaminated, you cannot collect anything from Monsanto, not a dime. The only thing you can collect is pos- is the price of the seeds, or at Monsanto's um, discretion, they can just re just give you some more seed. No money, just more seed. You'd have to be nuts to agree to that. Now, farmers are not stupid, but they are very, very focused. They're very focused on what they're doing. And once they do bite and they get into this, they find that it's a situation that just sucks them in like a black hole. They can't... It, very, very difficult to get out of it. So the key is to not get into it. And the key to not get into it is instead of going to the store, the feed store, your feed supplier, and buying the bags and opening them up and using them without even reading what you're agreeing to. And if you open a bag and use the seed, you have agreed to the technology use agreement just by the very act of opening that bag and using the seed. Is that well, in the so, contract? Is that is it say that in the contract? Is that one of their terms? No. It does not say that in the contract, but it's an implicit um, a implicit agreement. Just a few months ago the the superweeds issue was was getting some headlines in the news and I wonder, did any of that come into into consideration when they were considering the deregulation of GMO alfalfa? Let me tell you what Monsanto says. We know Monsanto is and basically controls the USDA. Well, I called him up and I, I was talking to a um, person by the name of Janice, and uh, she's a very nice person. She's public relations for Monsanto. And I was discussing this issue with her, and she said, well, what people need to understand is that you have to be proactive. There are going to be resistant weeds. So you have to start out right away by using other methods, too. So you will need to make sure that you use, um, you till under the weeds, and you might need to rotate pesticides. And I'm, and I'm thinking while she's telling me this, that this is exactly what the farmers are doing anyway right now. So the only thing that they're gaining by signing this agreement and planting this GMO alfalfa is possibly the first, the first planting. They might get away with not using any other methods. <clears throat> Excuse me. But other than that, all they're doing is adding 
onto what they already do, an onerous contract that basically even puts a CCR on the land, a land use restriction on your land, and all the other um, restrictions that you need to um, to follow as far as Monsanto. I mean, it's 44 pages. Uh, there's there's so many of them. It's it's ridiculous. You have to cut it down, cut your alfalfa before it flowers. And we all know all of the plants flower at the same time. So all you're doing is adding on to what you're already doing. And why do it? Why? If you still have to till under your weeds, if you still have to rotate with other pesticides, why add this to your suitcase? It simply doesn't make sense. And alfalfa is a relatively weed-free crop. I believe I read that um, 93% of alfalfa doesn't even take an insecticide. So why? Why would anybody even need to go to GM alfalfa? That was one of the arguments in favor of GMOs is that it enables no-till farming. And their argument was that it lessens erosion, and so if they're saying that farmers should till, then that nullifies that. Exactly, and it's in that 44-page agreement, and it also came straight out of the horse's mouth. Wow. That's what they're saying. In fact, they developed a new website, and it's a weed, let's see, weedresistance.com or something like that, and it, it, if you go... It'll point to the Monsanto site. <clears throat> so it's a subsite off the Monsanto site, and it specifically tells you about all these other things that you have to do. You have to plow under your weeds. You have to do this, do that. So it's such a deception when they say, this is going to be so simple. All you have to do is spray. And if that's all you do, what you're going to get are super weeds. Well, that yeah. have become so difficult to get rid of that, that it's um, a big detriment. And you just you mentioned earlier that there are you're going to be surrounded now with GMO alfalfa. What yep. what do you think is the draw? Why are these farmers switching over if there really isn't any benefit? And if they if they already have a weed free crop? Good question. Deception. Okay. Yeah, I I believe my opinion. Yeah, it's deception. They are told that the alfalfa, you don't have to plant it every year. You can plant it, and then it's a perennial. It just keeps on popping up for the next six or seven years. So Monsanto comes in, and they, of course, want to take control of the food supply. And they, they tell them, okay, your first planting, this was the spin that I got straight from the horse's mouth, that the big benefit of... GM alfalfa is the fact that your very first planting, you can have it completely weed-free, and then you probably won't have to um, spray it again until another six years, six or seven years, because you get your you want your first stand really, really big and really, really good, and because alfalfa, you can't go out if you have a bare spot of alfalfa. You can't just go out and reseed that bare spot. It just won't let you. It won't do it. It's something to do with the root system, I believe. So 
what they're saying is your first stand is going to be a just beautiful stand. And that will help you out for the next six to seven years. Mm. What they don't tell you is <laughs> that just by use of that Roundup, you're going to start getting weeds in your resistant weeds in your alfalfa stands. You're going to start getting resistant bugs. Um, it's going to start something that really never should never would have happened if you hadn't started with the GMOs. That's what they don't tell them. We just so they lure them in, and we just they didn't have show to find uh, out the rest for themselves. A couple of weeks ago on on GMO alfalfa, right after the 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 deregulation occurred, and a comment ha- occurred on our website. I think it was from a farmer. He was under the impression that um, that the alfalfa conventional alfalfa was not being sprayed because the conventional herbicides do more damage to the alfalfa than the weeds do, and he thought that because of the crop safety of Roundup, many growers would now be able to spray their crops safely and effectively and certainly raise higher tonnage and higher quality of alfalfa. He says on the West Coast, this is huge news. Yeah, they might get higher tonnage the first year, <clears throat> but they're not going to get higher quality. It'll look pretty. But looking pretty is not necessarily mean that it's quality. And if they did any research into the effects of genetically modified foods, then they would understand that what they're what they're putting out there is they're changing something that's just it's it's crucial. They're changing something very, very crucial. Just the act of genetically modifying an organism is dangerous. The reason being, if I have, if my leg is, I shoot a hole in my leg, it's going to heal up, but it's not going to be the same. If I shoot a hole in my other leg, it's going to heal up, and it's not going to heal up the same way as the first leg did. This is what they're doing in the genetic modification process. They have two basic methods to do it. One is using agrobacterium to infect the cell. The other is using a kind of a gun, shotgun method in which they put the DNA um, on a little particle of gold, and very tiny, and then shoot it into the cell. Both are very, very random. So each and every cell that they do that to, it's going to be a randomness. It's not going to be exactly the same. And then there is no inspection process afterwards. So what we have is we have something that you don't know what kind of mutations are going to come up. And then there's the issue, the very, very Barbara, dangerous w- w- issue. I'm going to have to um, let you finish that um sentence as soon as we come back you are listening to food integrity now with barbara peterson from farmores we'll be right back
are looking for some flavorful, healthy, fresh food, come out to Maximilian's Cafe in Woodland Park, Colorado, focusing on local, fresh ingredients with a changing seasonal menu. Located at 209 East Midland Avenue, Woodland Park, Colorado, right off Highway 24 in downtown. Our walls are full of local artist artwork, and on Friday and Saturday nights, we feature local singers, songwriters, and performers to entertain you while you relax and enjoy a fun environment, a glass of wine, and fantastic food. Open seven days a week from 11 to 9 p.m., 11 to 8 p.m. on Sunday and Monday. Are you experiencing anxiety, anger, depression, or low self-esteem? Do you beat yourself up or sabotage what you truly want to achieve? Hi, this is Jeannie Smith, and at Open Heart Healing, I combine counseling, gestalt therapy, and Taiyi energy work to assist those who truly desire to bring quality and joy back into their lives. My office is located on South Perry Street here in Castle Rock. Call me for a free consultation at 303-660-6373. Again, that's 303-660-6373, or visit me at openhearthealing.com. Holistic Pathways is your local herbal medicine clinic. You can find them online at holisticpathways.com. Holistic Pathways supplies certified organic and ethically wildcrafted bulk medicinal herbs, herbal extracts, and essential oils. Holistic Pathways offers Mayan abdominal massage and specializes in women's health and fertility. Call 720-570-2454 to speak to a certified clinical herbalist today. That's Holistic Pathways at 720-570-2454. Have you checked out CastleRock.org lately? This innovative new website was created as your one-stop shop for information about Castle Rock. You will interact and find all sorts of information from what to do as a family this weekend to how to write a business plan and even what issues are facing our town council and state government. For the latest in chamber programs, events, and things to see and do in the area, check out CastleRock.org. Welcome back to Food Integrity Now. We have as our guest today, Barbara Peterson of Farm Wars. And Barb, you were talking about uh, the the genetically modified process and the mutation and how they do that. Do you want to um, carry on with what you were talking about? Yes. Um, we were talking about um, agrobacterium and the shotgun method. Um, the what What's important in this is to understand that the way they do the uh, agrobacterium method is through horizontal transfer. Now, what that means is the agrobacterium goes in. What they do is they take um, an agrobacterium, it's a type of bacteria, and they engineer it. And they put in it things that they want to put in the cell of the plant. The things that they put in are um, a CAMV, which is a cauliflower mosaic virus, which basically infects the plant. And then they transfer the whatever 
gene called a transgene, whichever um, thing they want, insect resistance, to go into, say, insect resistance, sorry, <clears throat> to go into that cell. So when the bug bites the plant, the bug dies because of that particular um, thing that they put in there. Now, this cauliflower milk virus is infectious. So what we have, and they're also finding it very, very difficult to kill off the agrobacterium, because once the agrobacterium infects the cell, then those um, cells start growing. They have to be doused with antibiotics so that the plants live, the agrobacterium die. That's the theory. However, agrobacterium develop resistance. They don't all die. And agrobacterium are also naturally in the soil. So what you have are you have all of these genetically modified plants that do not have all the agrobacterium that are genetically modified gone when they hit the ground. So you have those agrobacterium in the soil conjugating with the other agrobacterium in the soil. And the genetically modified agrobacterium still have those genes in them. There's another route of horizontal transfer, which is when plants are injured, say a bug comes, takes a bite, there's some sort of a hormone at the wound site and that becomes, because it's stimulated, and that allows these genes to then move around. So another bacteria comes in, that gets the gene, moves around, and then infects another plant that has the wound on it. So what you have is a horizontal transfer of the genetically modified organisms to different species not necessarily to the same species. So doesn't even sound like you're talking about food right now, by the way. It's just fascinating. We're talking about food here, folks. So yeah. pay attention. And this horizontal transfer does not limit itself to the outside. You eat a genetically modified plant and you have what is known as a particular type of bacteria in your gut that can pick up the DNA from the food that you just ate because there is a short amount of time where it's not degraded. And I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right, but they're um, eukaryotes. I'm not sure if that's the right pronunciation, but that's the bacteria that live in your gut. And they can pick up this DNA which actually changes your DNA. We don't know how it's going to change it. We don't know what kind of effects we're going to get from it, but I do believe that we're seeing a lot of the effects in illnesses. So I could become a woman. Or have a foot growing out of your head. Who knows? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you know, we don't well, we're, know. We're, we're playing with fire, in essence, because, you know, again... We are the human guinea pigs to the whole genetically modified organisms because, again, there's not been a lot of human studies, or there's been none, have there? 
think there maybe no. there, maybe there was one. But they're but they're early studies. They're right. not you know not so, long term. Not long term studies. So um, so we're the guinea pigs. We are the long term study. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let, yeah. Let me tell you what um, I talked to somebody at Madge, and that is mothers are demystifying GE, and it's from she's from Australia, and she has all. I'm going to be posting them on my site. She said that there's current approvals underway at the Food Standards Australia in New Zealand. Now, this is the type of study that's going on by Monsanto that's being accepted by these people. Five mice of each sex were fed two doses of genetically modified corn one hour apart. They were watched for 14 days and then killed. One male mouse had signs of a stomach ulcer. One female mouse had a dark patch on her brain, but they were all considered fine. That's astonishing. I uh, was just made aware of the the work by Don Huber. Um, mm-hmm. He found the the path a pathogen was was being created in GMO organisms, and um, mm-hmm. wrote a letter to Tom Vilsack in regards to this stating his concerns about the GMO alfalfa and uh, was wondering if you were familiar with that and could help us understand it a little bit further. Oh, yes. Um, very familiar with that. In fact, the fact that he found something like that doesn't surprise me in the least because Dr. Maywan Ho of ISIS, she's been warning us about this for years, that what we're going to see through mutation is new organisms, new types of bacteria, just because of the genetic modification process. It is so random. And we don't know how. I'm going to go back to the hole in my leg. We go ahead and we shoot a hole in my leg. It's never going to be the same as when it, before it got shot. Now, you have all these bacteria that are picking up all of these genes, and they're mutating. And you're going to see new strains. You're going to see antibiotic resistance increase. You're going to have organisms that you've never, ever before seen. And with the advent of the alfalfa, it's going to be a wholesale issue. And the thing is, the reason why we're not seeing more is because in the tug agreement, the technology use agreement, a farmer is to, is not to conduct or allow any testing of any GMO seeds or plants. That's in so. The US. That's I'd love so, to see a cop, I'd love to see a copy of that agreement. Um, is is that available online anywhere? Because I'd I'd love to look at it. Or is that something that go to my site? I've got an article up, and it is called. How do I do that? Welcome to Monsanto Zone. Oh, great! We'll and, check that and out. Give our listeners your site again while we're talking about it. It's farmwars dot info. Okay. Yeah, that's amazing. So they, have- they're not allowed to test allow any testing of the seed or the plants? No. No. No research. Mm-mm. No, you're not supposed to. The only ones that are supposed to do the research and the testing are 
the people paid by Monsanto. So do you think that we can still get heirloom seeds if we order heirloom seeds? Are those going to be pure or what's your opinion on that? I think we need to do it as soon as possible because the longer we, uh, the longer we wait, then the more chances are that everything's going to be completely contaminated. That's what I see happening. I don't like to be pessimistic, but I've got a, on my site, I've got a big old banner with a tomato sitting on it uh, for organic heirloom seeds. I've got my cupboard full of them. I'm encouraging other people to get your seeds, get them planted, get a greenhouse up if you need to, if you've got a, a GMO fields around you that you're pretty sure a GMO, they don't have to tell you. And they probably don't want to tell you because the backlash of consumers for GMO foods is getting uh, greater. So grow as mo- much food as you can. Talk to the people around you. Start, you know, trading food. My neighbors, I gave them some cabbage. They gave me some potatoes. Do it like that. That's what I'm encouraging people to do because there's got to be is that still a way legal? to... Is it still legal to be able to trade? Yeah. I don't care. There's a town in Maine that that declared food sovereignty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, We we saw that. that. That's amazing. That's in retaliation to that food safety bill. Well, you know, um, to all our listeners out there, I mean, this may sound a little science fiction, this whole show and, and what's really happening with the genetically engineered foods but just just so you are aware we're talking about 80 percent of the food in the grocery store currently this isn't something happening in the future this is here now so we are going to take a break you are listening to food integrity now we will be right back and I'm a certified life coach and one of the hosts of the Food Integrity Now show right here on Castle Rock Radio. Have you ever dreamed of swimming with the wild and free dolphins? I'm not talking about the ones in captivity like the ones at Dolphin Quest. I'm talking about swimming with them in the wild. If this is something you've only dreamt about doing, I invite you to mark this off your bucket list now and join me for an all-inclusive trip to swim with the wild dolphins. Your trip to paradise will include organic gourmet meals, ocean waterfront accommodations, Lomi Lomi massage, and much more. What are you waiting for? Now is the time to make your dream a reality. For more information, go to wilddolphinswimadventures.com or contact me 
at carol at coachwithcarol.com or 719-687-7447. Once again, that's 719-687-7447. Mahalo. Are you seeking understanding and assistance in healing your depression and anger or lack of passion? Hi, my name is Tammy Urbanic at Empowerment Through Healing, and I'm a medium clairvoyant who can work with your spirit guides to assist you. Your spirit guides can offer solutions and understanding at current life issues that you're facing. Visit www.empowermentthroughhealing.com for more information, and you can call me at 719-641-2017. You are looking for some flavorful, healthy, fresh food. Come out to Maximilian's Cafe in Woodland Park, Colorado. Focusing on local, fresh ingredients with a changing seasonal menu. Located at 209 East Midland Avenue, Woodland Park, Colorado, right off Highway 24 in downtown. Our walls are full of local artist artwork, and on Friday and Saturday nights, we feature local singers, songwriters, and performers to entertain you while you relax and enjoy a fun environment, a glass of wine, and fantastic food. Open seven days a week from 11 to 9 p.m., 11 to 8 p.m. on Sunday and Monday. Integrity now. We have been talking with Barbara Peterson from Farm Wars, and Barbara's uh, website is farmwars.info. And there's a lot of great information on this site. Barbara, we were talking about heirloom seeds, and, and um, I'd like to take this last section to talk about you know what people can do um, other than stop buying GMOs. You know, and, you know, it, we're, it's going to be tough to fight Monsanto. They have so much money, so we vote with our dollars. So, you know, just do your research and buy buy the cleanest food you can. But tell us a little bit more about heirloom seeds and, and how you envision, you know, the future of heirloom seeds. Well, right now they're, um, they're basically, we can get them. Heirloom seeds are what we need to do, the pure, organic heirloom seeds. We know that at this point, there's probably less than 1% contamination in most of them. And that's all we can we can hope for at this point until the alfalfa gets in full rain. <clears throat> so if you want to make sure that you've got a good, clean food source, need to start growing your own. I'm going to be converting a room in my house so that I can have all year round. I'm going to put a grow light in it. I'm going to put um, shelves around the walls and have my own. I've, I've pretty much got the instructions for it. It's not that difficult, and it will be a source of good, clean food. And if I can keep that from getting contaminated, which should be relatively easy inside my uh, house, then go ahead and save my own seeds. And with the heirloom varieties, not the hybrids, the hybrids, you're not going to be able to get viable seed. So, well, it'll be viable, it just won't be, you won't get the same thing that you planted because it's a hybrid. Mm -hmm. What is the difference? Because it's a combination of two. 
Oh. Oh, I think we lost you there for a second. The, the difference between a hybrid and an heirloom is what? An heirloom is the pure stuff. A hybrid, an heirloom is what the hybrids were made out of. Say you have an heirloom seed that has a nice, beautiful red tomato, and but you decided this, there's this other seed that produces a tomato that's maybe firmer and sweeter, and you want to combine them. So the combination of the two is a hybrid. So if you want to save seed purity, then you would go with your heirloom seed. Because if you if you save the seeds from the hybrid, some of them will be okay, others won't. Some will be of one variety and some will come up crop up of another variety. They're not stable like the heirlooms are. So what we want is the stablest seed supply that we can possibly have. So and, I suggest that... Hmm? And do you Go have ahead. any recommendations on, on um, good places to buy heirloom seeds, you know, for our listeners? You can buy, you know, there's lots of places. Look for, just type in Google heirloom organic seeds. I've got the one place that I do have on my site. They can go ahead and click the banner and go there. Dave, I've researched to find out what the best prices for bulk seeds were, and this place seems to have the best variety and the best prices for bulk heirloom organic seeds. So that's why I have it up there on my site. It's actually called Heirloom Organics. And they've got, uh, you get pounds of seeds. You get something like, for a little pack, if you go into a store, you pay like $2.50, $3.50 for a little pack of maybe 20 seeds in it, when you can go to this place and get like 26,000 seeds mm. in um, their containers. And the pricing, I don't have my calculations in front of me, but I calculated out that they are so under what you would have to do uh, get in a store with the little packs and everything that it's ridiculous so that's why it's up so I actually can recommend them I have had um, good experiences and I can recommend them so people so could actually go together and, and, and buy some seeds and share them too that's another option yes if you're and buying. it doesn't have go ahead Yeah, it doesn't have to be uh, you have to buy it over and over and over and over again because once you get your um, garden growing, once you get your growth space growing, then you can just start saving your seeds, collecting your seeds. It's not hard. You can put them in, you know, store them in paper bags. They need to breathe. So collecting the seed and storing it is not difficult. Just keep on doing it, and then you don't have to go back and buy more seeds because you've got your own supply that will keep refilling itself year after year after year. And so what ki what kind of seeds, what kind of food are we talking about with the heirloom seeds? I mean, I obviously I think of tomatoes right away, but what other what other foods are we talking about? If you grow indoors, then you can control your climate. If you're growing outdoors, then you pretty much are dependent unless you have a greenhouse on the climate. Out right. here, we have a 37-day growing season. That's nothing. That's why I'm going indoors. Right. The crops that I have to plant are that do well out here are cabbage, carrots, broccoli, spinach, um, onions. We can grow raspberries. It's, it's difficult, but we can grow raspberries. 
Um, the squash don't do too well. Tomatoes don't do well at all and in the outside. And what else did I grow last year? I'm running a blank on that. Um, a few other things, mainly root crops, turnips, beets. You have to go for your cold weather crops here. So you have to basically determine what weather you have and what crops do well in your area and stick with those, unless you can bring them inside. Last year, I grew tomatoes in my windows. I put stands and pots and grew tomatoes and picked them off the tomato um, plant to eat. It was great. And when I went to a, a site and checked out what seeds they had available, the only thing I didn't find was potatoes or sweet potatoes. Uh, pretty much. I That's because it, yeah, potatoes, you can, somebody gave me some purple potatoes. Mm-hmm. And if they've got the eyes on them, just cut out the eye and plant it. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. For for people yeah, looking to for people looking to grow a a garden indoors, what is a good amount of square footage to have per person to solely you can grow? Yeah, go ahead. It depends on your environment. If you've got an apartment, you can still grow a good amount of your food because you can start going vertical with it. You can go up up the wall with it. You can do hanging planters. Um, There's so many innovations out there. If you've got a porch, you can create spaces on on the porch and do that. Uh, You can use every square inch that you would use for a yard. You can plant. If you've got a house and if you've got a spare bedroom, I've got my bedroom is, um, it's 10 by 12 approximately, and I'm going to line that thing um, with food. And depending on how far up I go and how many shelves I can I can do, then that should be. There's two of us here. That should pretty much make pretty much make us through the winter at least with food. I don't know. I haven't done it yet. How important is knowing what plants like, how much light, and what kind of soil they grow best in? How important is that in growing indoors? You need to get grow lights. It's extremely important. The grow lights are, um, there's a certain type. You can get a fluorescent bulb with a specific color that imitates daylight for your grow lights and use those. There's a, um, the soil I use, well, I have horses. So I use horse manure. You can make manure tea if you're going to do this instead of going to the store and buying this, you know, organic soil, this bag and putting it in. I go out and I leave, I got a pile of horse manure that I leave and I let it, let the hotness get out of it because it's extremely hot when it's fresh. And then I leave it for a year. The next year I go back and I will take that horse manure and mix it with some dirt. And that's my soil. And that works for me. It grows beautifully. Okay. This has been a great show. You've given us a lot of great information. Thank you for joining us. And Yeah, thank you so much, Barbara. We appreciate, you know, all your great info. Uh, next, Glad to be here. Thank you. Next week, we're going to have Rodney North of Equal Exchange on the show. And he will be talking about the chocolate industry. And what a lot of people don't know is that there is child slavery used in the chocolate industry and that makes it a little less sweet. So he's going to talk about what what you can do to 
not support that and to support integrity in the chocolate industry, as well as how to make a difference in the food system based on your bank account or where you worship or at your child's school. So we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on Food Integrity Now. I've been waiting so long to be where I'm going in the sunshine of your love. I'm with you, my love. The light shining through on you. Yes, I'm with you.